Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 27 of Gone to the Dogs. Thank you for joining us. If you've made it to episode 27, uh, we thank you and we are humbled that you have uh, listened to every episode, hopefully, so far. As always, I am Danny Jackson and my co-pilot is... Joe Andrews, hello everybody. And if you haven't listened to previous episodes, of course you can go back to the very start and listen to them all anytime you like which Absolutely. I recommend because they're all great. They are indeed. They are indeed. So uh, do make sure you go back to our back catalogue if you haven't done so already. Joe, how are you doing? I'm all right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, slept through the night last night, which is a rarity. So I'm feeling very perky. And are you feeling better? You sound much, much better. Yes. I've still got that weird, I think it's that 100 days cough that people are saying that they've had. Um, so I've still got that a little bit. But oh my God, I feel like a new person this week. Good. Good. Well, all is well. I'm back to work. You look better. You sound better. Yeah, yeah. They're back into the groove. Good. Indeed. Uh, Right. We are going to talk big, big winners. The first of them of the year was the Puppy Cup, of course, over at Oxford. And we had an absolutely superb run from Romeo Cypher. We did indeed, yeah. He's a, he's a really nice, improving pup, isn't he? And he put it all together in the final with a fantastic start, showed great early and, and put it to bed. Obviously, Keyfield Maverick's a really promising pup in his own right, and he ran a, a brilliant race to run second. But but on the day, you know, Romeo Cypher just, just was away in Garn and, and um, you know, Maverick couldn't... Couldn't quite reach him. So, you know, a whole host of promising puppies in that competition. And we look forward to seeing them in the future. And in fact, Romeo Cypher, we'll get onto it later, is, is of course in the winter derby at Monmore, which looks an absolutely outstanding competition. But um, yeah, as I said, we'll we'll save that for a, for a little bit later. Romeo Cypher as well, just to say, broke the track record. And how many grown full adult dogs can do that one in a final two in january and yeah. uh yeah it's just absolutely sensational so dave mullins got a little bit of a good one on his hands with the droopy sydney sun moving on to that saturday night the 20th of jan we had our first cat one with the big boys it was of course the cesarowich and it was uh the Irish Raider, no, Garfini Blaze, who won for Mark Wallace, of course. He was pull perfect throughout the competition. And again, another track record went. Yeah, this, um, the tracks are obviously running quick at this time of year and the dogs don't mind a little bit of cold, although it has, of course, been milder than than usual. So mm. uh, no no cold muscles before the runs, clearly. But yeah, again, n- another impressive performance. Um, top top quality stare. We, we knew that already from his time in Ireland and he's come over and, and delivered. Um, I think, was he, was he anti-post favourite? He was certainly short for every run in the competition as well, mm. odds on. I, I think he was I think he was anti-post favourite. But uh, yeah, not really nice stare. What next? Um, maybe Crayford, possibly, in possibly. the for the Golden Jacket. I don't know. But, um, you, you know, again, he, he's going to be one of the, the top stayers this year. There's no doubt about it. Certainly, certainly is. Then we move on to the Sunday that was the 21st of Jan. Over to Toaster. Oh. He has been one of my favourite boys for ages and I'd put him up as like the each way pick because he was always going to get out in front, sign at Goofy. 
to hold off Romeo Command in the way that he did by the neck was absolutely sensational. And he's just, he's such a likeable dog and he's just turned four. So we can call him an old boy now. And oh, God, what a run. I mean, to hold off Romeo Command, who we know he's so, so strong, especially in a finish, was absolutely superb. I mean, I've watched it countless times since then, Joe, because like I say, one of my favourite boys and he was just so gutsy. People's champ, isn't he? Sign it, Goofy. Yeah. Just turned four. I mean, absolutely incredible. It was another good quality final. Romeo Command had been in scintillating form throughout the competition. He was um, a short price in the final. But sign it, Goofy, you know, especially if he gets out in front, he, he's very hard to beat. And he is a class, class animal, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. A pleasure to watch. What what a dog he's been for owners. And, um, yeah, it's just, he's still going strong, the, the old boy. Can I call him an old boy? Four's fairly old for, for a ground, isn't it? I'm I think it's official veteran status when he hits Is it? Off. Oh, there you go. So. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, just fan- fantastic. As I said, he, he's, a, he's a dog that's captured the, the public's imagination. The, certainly the Greyhound fans love him. And, um, and it was great to see him get his head in front. It absolutely was. I was, I was thrilled. Um, right. Then we had... On Friday, it was marred by a, an abandonment, the Essex Vars, on the semi-final Friday evening because they had a frozen track um, at the three-quarter mark, I believe it was. So they had the, I think, the Silver Maiden semis but couldn't run then the uh, Essex Vars because it got too cold, too late uh, in the card and we we put it off till the Monday lunchtime, which was a, a good Monday lunchtime treat. And this... I was there. First time I've ever been to Romford, by the way, just as an aside. What a superb venue. Absolutely brilliant. I had a great time. Good. I've in... never been. I've oh, never been, it's... but I, I will one day. Absolutely have to go, Joe, because everybody's so friendly, as they usually are, to be fair, at ground tracks. But uh, we were in the pavilion side, so because there was quite a lot of us for the PGR launch day. Um, but... Quite a few of us, well, I think most of us enjoyed the the Essex Vars final over in the grandstand because that's where all the atmosphere was. And I went over there a couple of times and it was just, it's electric, it's great. Everybody's there to just have a good time and they love the dogs and, you know, the social media side of things, absolutely fantastic. So really, really enjoyed my first visit to Romford. And what was even better is I'd had Roxy's bullet (laughs) anti-post. As a bit of a flyer, it was one of those Starting things. Starting the year just with go, an after time like that. Oh, I know it's terrible, isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> terrible. But um, he was unbelievable because I'd had him in the semi. So I'd put him up for William Hill in the semi-finals, and he won obviously at seven to one. And then I actually went away from him in the final, stupid as it is, because of the. I thought there was going to be a load of congestion on the inside, and I wasn't convinced he was going to be able to get out as quick as he'd been in the past and he absolutely did with a 1352 split he just popped out made all and that was that didn't see another rival so he was so gutsy and I was next to the owner as well while we were uh, in the stands it was absolute oh, there was tears screaming shouting you know everything laughing just oh, it was absolutely superb and I am making it my mission to go to as many cat one finals as possible because it was so so good Good. Well, that's a good goal to have. Yeah, impressive. I mean, again, underestimated by the market in mm. the final, underestimated by the market in the semi-final, but one on merit, and then and then has reproduced, you know, a, a similar run in the final and done the business. So well done to Rox's bullet, and I think it was the trainers 
uh, trainer's first ever Cat One victory. So um, After you know, congratulations! Years in the sport yeah, brilliant. Or great, great story. Yeah, yeah. So well done. What was even Paul. funnier is that dog wasn't supposed to be in. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Just went, yeah, I've got another one. I'll just yeah. this bullet in there. Unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> this is this greyhound game. You know, it can make fools out of you, can't it? You know, last minute entry wins a cat one like the F6 Vars. So, no, fun, fantastic. And it was a good, good quality final as well. You know, it was, mm. a, it was a good competition throughout, you know, some some great entries. And it was a, it's a top quality final. And Rox's bullet has, um, has won it. Stamped his authority all over the staying map, I believe. Certainly over the 575, that is for sure. So uh, big futures for the Cat 1 winners that we've had so far. And um, I think that leads us on quite nicely to a an interview that we've got coming up, Joe. Who's with, who's it with this week? We've got Paul Wing, who is an owner, um, you know, enthusiastic owner, been in the game in in the sport a very long time. So looking forward to hearing what Paul has to say about his dogs' future and present and past and also about what you know his thoughts on on ground racing in general as someone who's, who's who's seen a lot so let's dive in Well, delighted to have Paul Wing with us on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Um, I know that we've wanted Paul for a while and he's wanted to come and talk to us as well. So great to have you, Paul, as our second guest of 2024, the second season, as it were. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, really well. Um, looking forward to this conversation as well because uh, we we know you've been in the game for for quite some time. So very uh, interested to hear what you uh, have got to say about what it used to be like and what it is like now, and what you maybe think about the future, which could be very interesting. <laughs> it could be interesting, yes, definitely. <laughs> but we're going to hark back to the past and say, you know, tell us a bit about yourself, Paul, and and how you got into our wonderful sport. Yeah, my name's Paul Wing, as people, a lot of people know me. Um, it started lot, like a lot of people um, at the age of seven. My dad had greyhounds, which I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to, to be fair. But dad used to keep going out on a Sunday morning, disappearing. And I said, Mum, where's dad going? Oh, he's going to see the dogs. What, dogs? Yeah, yeah, greyhounds. Oh, well, why can't we go? Because dad, dad was a semi-professional footballer. Um, and he used to go to football. We used to go to football with him at a young age. So I said, well, hold on a minute. How comes he goes to the dogs and not taking us? We go to football with him. So can't, can't we go to the dogs? Well, I'll ask him. So they come back home one day and I said, oh, I'd like to come and see the dogs with you. So he took took me. Um, the dog that he owned was a bit boisterous. So the trainer said, well, I don't want to give your son this dog because it take him off his feet i'll give him a nice calm dog so you got a nice calm dog out the kennel the dog literally came up to me jumped at me licked my face and then that was it i was hooked after that absolutely hooked and every weekend i used to badger my dad take me to the dogs take me to the dogs take me until he gave in and every weekend we just go to the kennels take the dogs out for a walk and then after that it was just I was just hooked then, and I kept saying to him, 
when I get older, I'm going to own my own dog. And he went, good. He said, in fact, he said, if you'll be a good boy, he said, I'll buy you one for your 14th birthday. When I got to 14, so when you get to 14, I'll buy you one. He said, if you get a paper round or something and contribute to the kennel fees, he said, but that will be your dog. I went, oh, marvellous. And that's basically how I got into it. And then from 14 onwards, that was it. I was just absolutely hooked by it all. Just amazing sport. I just love it. Absolutely love it. That's that's a great story, Paul. I, I mean, um, did you used to go to the track when you were younger? Would, would your dad go much? And, and yeah, did you tag dad, along? yeah. Yes. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, my dad, my dad was going and I said to him, can I come racing one just to see what it's like? Yeah, no worries. He said, took me along and well, it just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Watching these dogs run at speed, going around the corner. Oh, oh, I just couldn't believe it. I was just, I was just stood there dumbfounded. You know, like, well, look at these dogs running. How quick are they going? And I said to my dad, how fast are they going? And he was going, oh, about 30 mile an hour. I went, no, yep, 30 mile an hour. He went, I just couldn't believe it, Joe. I really couldn't believe it. What was your local track back then? Well, Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth, Portsmouth boy, born and bred. Born and bred, mate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously from an older age, then I was up there three nights a week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. And then I started working for a bookmaker up there as well. When I was 14, he was um, he wanted someone to do the – because he lived next door to us. So he wanted someone to just do the floor, basically just keep an eye on the prices. He said, you won't get involved with gambling. He said – and my dad was fine with that. He said, yeah, it's fine, yeah, if he wants to do that, let, let him do it. You know, he can find his way in the sport. And, um, yeah, so I was started with a bookmaker up there, three nights a week, and £30 a week. That went towards the dog that I was keeping. And, um, yeah, yeah, family just loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it. So that was something what I was going to come on to, actually. Um, like Lofty said on Twitter that you used to be a bookie. Was yes. Is that what he's referring to? Or did you actually become a bookie yourself I later on? Actually, yeah, I actually did become a bookie later on. I didn't on know that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, tell us about that, as you've just mentioned it then, because we were going to come on to it. But Yeah, yeah. So a pitch came available at Portsmouth. Um, so I decided to give it a crack. But, well, I'll come up here three nights a week. I might as well try and come up here and earn a crust out of it. Um Went and see the general manager at that time, which was, uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. Um, and he said, yeah, no worries. So I sponsored a, a race and basically then that was it. And I started doing that until Portsmouth closed. And then obviously when Portsmouth closed, um, I started working for a bloke called Shan, who's uh, sadly no longer with us. Uh, and he had a pitch at Paul um, and he wanted someone to represent him on a Sunday. Because uh, he was doing, he was an ice cream salesman, and obviously Sundays during the summer was a busy period for him, so he couldn't get there. So he asked me if I'd step in, and because he knew I'd been the bookmaker at Paul um, at Portsmouth, sorry, and he said, "Would you step in and you know cover it for me?" I said, "Yeah, no worries, I can do that." Um, and that's how I got into Paul and started betting at Paul until recently, just before it closed. So, um, so were you, you obviously successful then and made a good living out of it? Yeah, I got a few quid out of it, mate. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So what, how, how come it stopped then? Obviously, well, the track's closing is no good, but you could have, you know, you could have given it a swing on the on the nags yeah, or another track. I think I think because of the change in the licensing um, rules, Joe, uh, where you had to go through the Gambler Commission, whereas before it was like you go put an application into the court, go to the court, get your three-year licence, 25 quid, and you look your way. But obviously, once the Gambler Commission got involved, 
they changed it all and you had to have a certain amount of meetings. Then the money went up to five, six hundred quid or whatever it was. And I thought it's not really worth it, to be fair. So I decided to knock it on the head. Now, you touched on the fact that your dad bought you first Greyhound. Who yes. was he or she? And uh, do you remember the first race that they, they were it in or a, that they won? It was a little bitch called Lisa Be Good, it was called. And she was a puppy. So he bought bought it from a puppy. So he, um, so we had to rear it and school it and all that. So I went through all that period as well of going down to the new the lady the new forest trained it, uh, sort of reared it for us. Um Rita Randall, I think her name was. And we used to go down there every Sunday to watch it and we've gradually watched it grow from the palm of our hand to when it became full size, ready to race. We took it to school in the school in tracks, watched it school, and I was just I was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know what I mean? The fact it was going to chase. And I'm like, my heart was beating because I'm thinking, well, what happens if it don't chase? That's if it don't chase, then it goes to a home. I went, hey, I said, we've spent all this and, and it's going to go to a home. He said, yeah, it don't chase. It goes to a home. I went, oh, God, please chase. And thankfully, it came out of the traps and it chased the hair. Thank goodness. So that was a relief that, yeah. Yeah, so the first bitch was a little puppy, and she was the first one that I'd raced, and Lord Lisa be good. Have you she ever... wasn't very fast, no. but but it didn't matter to me. The first race, my heart was beating so fast. it was I thought I was going to explode, you know what I mean? It was just incredible. And when she got her first win, well, it was incredible, absolutely incredible. Have you had any over the years that don't chase, Paul? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple, yes. Yeah, we had a young young little puppy that um, we brought over from Ireland. Um, we gave it to Colin and Jean Lyles, and um, he said, I don't think this dog's going to chase you now. Are you sure? He said, watch it. All the other dogs are running up and down the pens, and the, the, the little bitch was just sitting there. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not, I'm not running. And he said, I'm, I said, I've tried everything to try and get her to run. He said, she will run eventually, but he said, I'm not too sure. He said, took her to school and track, and she just sat in the traps. I went, oh, God, this could be a disaster. He went, yeah, he said, it could be. He said, we'll give it a go, and we'll see what happens. So I went, yeah, that's fine. Give it, Let's give it a go. Let's give it a batch. We spent all this money rearing it, so, so we might as well give it a batch. Well, he said, he put it in the traps at the school and track. She just sat there. He said, uh, no, I'm not running today. No, no. So anybody who says they're forced to race, absolute load of rubbish. They don't want to do it. They won't do it. And she didn't want to do it. <laughs> so, so we had to call it quits. I went, Carl, we can't be doing this. We could, It's going to cost. A, he said, absolutely. We'll find a nice home. And we found her a nice home. So. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You say, you know, they're, they're forced to chase, but but you don't see the ones that don't chase because obviously no. they don't make it to the track and they don't get graded on. So, you know, you, you find out well before that stage that they're not interested in chasing and, and, and greyhounds are like humans. They're very different and some of them fancy it and, and some of them don't. Absolutely, Joe. You're absolutely spot on there. And it's the same with racehorses, Joe. You, yeah. You've seen the same. Racehorses, you can't force them. If they don't want to do it, they won't do it. And that's what these antis don't get. You're forcing them to do this. You're for we don't force them to do anything. If they don't want to do it, they won't do it. And if they don't want to do it, I'll find them a nice home. Not a problem. Yeah, it's in their DNA to chase, but some of them just don't don't fancy it. So, Paul, that, another great story again. Like Lisa, be what was it? Lisa, be good. Lisa, be good. Yeah. 
not but but brought you your first win. How many did she win? She won. I think she won about nine races. I think. That's nice, pretty good, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then Dad bought another dog, a dog called Bob Share. Um, he bought that from a puppy. I think he bought that slightly after Lisa Be Good. Uh, first trial around Portsmouth broke its leg. Oh. Can you believe it? And that was the down. So I saw the good side, yeah. and then I saw the downside, and I'm thinking, oh no, this is disaster. Dad said, well, unfortunately, bought. This is the side of the sport you're going to see because you get the good bits and you get the bad bits. And the unfortunate side is when you've got dogs running at speed to a bend, accidents can happen. And that's the unfortunate part about this sport. And that was a lesson I had to learn quickly. So I didn't, I hated it, absolutely hated it. Dog was whelping and crying and, and I, I just hated it. And yeah, it was, it was awful. But dad managed to get it fixed up and he took the dog home. So at the end of the day, we, we brought him home. So so we had a good home in the end anyway with you we guys. We had a good home, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he stayed with my dad till he died a few years ago, yeah. Well, oh. many years ago. Fabulous. Uh, and that's, the you know, back in the day, I think it was, um, you know, when you, you've only got a couple of dogs and uh, they really do take a lot of your time and energy and love and... I, I've only had a, a couple in my time so far and one of mine was fatally in, injured on a track. She just came out of the boxes and broke down. And it, I mean, we couldn't, we didn't have the option to take her home or do anything. It was absolutely horrendous. So I'm really pleased that you actually managed to take him home. That's, that's the good, good side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, it's, it's, it's horrendous. And I was in tears. I've got to admit, I was in tears. Definitely. Uh, my dad was in tears as well because you know it's he he watched it grow up like we watched Lisa be good grow watched watch it grow up and to see it fatally first trial to see it fatally injured just broke my heart absolutely mm. broke my heart and then you think to yourself do I want to be involved in this and then when you sort of calm down and got over it and then you go back to the kennels and see the dogs and they come out and they they run at you and give you a kiss and cuddle you you think. Yeah, I do want to be involved in it, and that's part I've got to deal with. Do right, and then in those early days, Paul, are there any other dogs that that stand out that that you owned or your dad? You know, um, we had mostly mostly throughout ownership. Joe, it's, it's all been graders. Do you know what I mean? I've I've never I've only had one decent dog, which I can elaborate on in a minute if you'd like me to. Um, most of them have just been graders, to be fair, and that's not bothered me. No, we didn't don't spend big money on dogs. You know, Lisa be good cost us fifty quid as a pup, so so we don't spend big money on dogs. But you know, I have a one good dog got lucky at the right time at the right place, but nothing that really stands out, Joe. To be fair, yeah. Well, tell us about that dog then, Paul, that, that you just mentioned. Uh, yeah, well. We went to the, uh, me and my mate Shan, who's, who's like I say, sadly not with us. We went to the Perry Bar Sales together on uh, February 2007, it was. And we went to the Perry Bar Sales in the mind to buy one particular dog. It was a dog called Bavarian Crown, who we'd seen run a few times and we see it come up in the sales. So we specifically wanted to go and buy that dog. So we got there, watched a few trials, and uh, I watched a couple of trials of other races. And I see this brindle dog. He sort of fell out the traps. He ran in the back of the dog at the first bend, going down the back straight, he showed a bit of pace and then ran into the back of another dog. Because in the dim days in the sale, they had three dog trials. 
Um, and then he came home quite strong. So I thought, oh, that, that looks interesting. That looks like a, one that possibly we could get if Barbarian Crown don't come off. So me and my, sh- my mate Sharon, we discussed what price we would pay, top dollar that we'd pay for Barbarian Crown. We said, we've got £3,000, no more. That's that's our limit for that dog. I said, I've got an eye on another dog, Sharon. I said, so if we lose this one, we can go with the other one. He went, yeah, no worries. So the dog come in. We bid, Our last bid was £3,000. That got knocked back by some bloke behind me who paid three and a half grand for it. So I said, right, that's it. The next dog that came in was a dog called Full Bloom, which is a dog I was watching. I said to Shan, I'm going to bid on this. He went, oh, I'm not interested in this one. I said, okay, Shan, no problem. I'll buy it myself. Not a problem. I said, I'll buy it myself. So well, how much, much do you expect it to go for then? I said, oh, probably be a couple of grand, I reckon. He went, Oh, we'll see. He said, we'll see how it goes. I said, well, no, you either come in now, Shan, or not at all. Don't start all this nonsense because I'll get it cheap. You want to come in? He went, oh, okay. All right. And he said, I'll come in then. I said, yeah, no worries. Well, the bidding started. I started bidding. And we got £700. Nobody else bid. And the dog was sold to me for £700. So we took it to a bloke called Robin Fawn, who was a trainer at Portsmouth. He spun it around Portsmouth. And it done 27-13 first trial. And he went, this dog can run. So this dog could be an open race dog. Me and Shan looked at each other and just started laughing at you. I said, is he, is, he, is he for real? It's not an open race dog. So we paid £700 for it. It's not an open race dog. Well, they put it in an A2 at Portsmouth and it won first time up. Absolutely flew around. Then they put it in an A1 and it won. And then the racing manager said, you're going to have to take this dog away. So what do you mean take the dog away? So this dog's too good. I've got nothing to grade against it. It's too good. You have to take it away. So what do you mean take it away? So go open racing with it. I mean, it's not good enough for open racing. He said, I promise you it is. So the first time we entered a race at Swindon, and we were 20 to 1 at Swindon. Well, we were quite confident this dog could win at Swindon because it wanted a further trip. So 20 to 1. So we backed it all along the line at 20 to 1, all along the line at 16s. They put up 14s, went all along the line at 14s. The dog won. He won. One of the bookies went, well, you knew something about that then, mate, didn't you? I said, mate, it's my dog. I said, you underestimated it. You put it at 20. It's your own fault. So the dog's won. So, so Robin said, well, we'll enter it next week at Swindon. So he phoned up the racing office at Swindon and said, oh, I'd like to enter full bloom for the race. He said, are you the chaps who just cleaned our bookies out last week? And Robin went, yeah. He went, oh, that's good. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> But he went on to he went on to win the um, Irish Derby Plate at Shelbourne Park. Wow! In two thousand eight, seven hundred pound dog, and wow. he won numerous opens. Got to the quarterfinals of the Derby, won numerous opens. Or yeah, just absolute amazing dog. And I'll probably never get another one like it, Joe. If, even if I spent thousands, I'd probably never get another one like it. What was that experience like winning at Shelbourne then? Because that must have been oh. special. Out of this world, Joe. Absolutely out of this world. I was absolutely buzzing. People coming up, shaking my hands, congratulating me. Yeah, got interviewed by Ian Fortune, which, you know, was an experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. I was got back to the hotel and there was a like a wedding reception going on at the hotel. And they knew I'd, I was going to the derby to watch the dog run. And they went, how'd your dog get on? I said, well, yeah, it's the trophy. But they went, right, come on in, in there. And I went in there and had a big party all night. And yeah, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And the, bu- the buzz, Joe, is 
people just won't understand unless they go through it. They just will not understand it. It's just it's something else. Whose idea was it to enter him up at, over in Ireland? Mine, to be fair. It was so mine. Credit. I, I thought that. Yeah, I'll take the credit, Joe. I'll take credit. I said to, well, he's a dog with Lorraine at the time, Lorraine Sams. And um, I, she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to have a pop at the Irish Derby. She went, yeah, no worries. She said, obviously, I wouldn't be able to do it. She'd have to send it to an Irish trainer. I said, yeah. I said, no worries. I said, Graham Holland. I said, we know Graham and Nicky quite well. I said, unfortunate days. So we'll send it to Graham. And he went, yeah. She went, no worries. So obviously, it went over to Graham. Graham entered in the Irish Derby. He got knocked out in the first round, finished fourth, typical. He said, don't worry, we'll enter it in the plate. And he entered it in the plate and say, the rest is history. Absolutely sensational. I mean, just from £700 of a dog that obviously had fallen out the traps and run up the backside of others. And so you don't necessarily think, oh, yeah, that dog's got a racing brain. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. No, you don't. (laughs) No. But I thought I'd worth taking a chance and just goes to show that you can get bargains. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you can live the dream. It's a bit like Hewick in the um, horse racing world, isn't it? Buy absolutely. Them for, <laughs> buy them for little and they go on and win absolutely everything. It's absolutely sensational. So yeah. that's that's the dream, Joe. That's that's it's important for owners as well, especially in horse racing, where you see horses that cost 300 grand that are geldings running for four grand in a, in a maiden. Do you know what I mean? And and, and the stories like Hewick and there's always ones on the flat, especially sprinters that you get, you know, winning top races that cost relatively less. It's important because it keeps the game going because that aspiration and hope that people have like I, that could that could be me. That That's important, isn't it? Because, you, you know, there's 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 always someone that can outbid you or pay more money for a dog than you, no matter what level you're at. You know, uh, unless you're that number one top top person, um, you know, there's there's always someone that can come in and, uh, and bid more. So, uh, you know, stories like that, Paula. Are great, aren't they? And there's plenty about in ground racing. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a rarity. There's, there's, there's plenty around. Yeah, it's just it's being in the right place at the right time, Joe. Isn't it? You know, the, like you say, the the big dogs, the the forty grand dogs, twenty grand, they're never going to be in our price range. So you got to look for that little bargain somewhere and hope you get a little bit lucky or you get a puppy and that turns out half decent. So it is is all about luck, isn't it? At the end of the day, a lot of it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, if it was an exact science, then we'd uh, all be pretty well off by now, wouldn't we? <laughs> we certainly would be, yes. <laughs> uh, now, we're talking about now, uh, Paul. Who's racing for you at the moment? Have you got any uh, lurking yeah. in the pack that could be a new open class? He's a man in form. He's the inform owner of the uh, of, of Britain, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, the dogs are running well. Maxine's got them running very well, I must admit. Um, we've got... Uh, 14 on the strength at Romford at the moment. Um, probably Tip Top Elsa probably could be the the one that uh, makes it to open class. Some of the others, not quite sure about. Um, we've got four puppies as well that we're bringing along with other friends. So, yeah, we've got a few on the ground. Um, but like you say, they are running well. We had um, Blooming Wild, she won three on the trot at Romford. Bosco's just won two on the trot over a trip that doesn't really suit him, to be fair. He's, he's not a 400-metre dog. He's a 5.75 dog or a little bit further. So, yeah, the dogs are running well. And you had a special night last week, didn't you, with, with, with um, two on the same yes, night. Was it yeah. three? 
Uh, we had three runners, Joe. Um, one of them got beat, uh, Sapphire Bray. She didn't run very well. Uh, and um, Bosco won. And then Bloom and Wide won the last, yeah, which was pretty special. And we were there to watch it as well. Because obviously, uh, we are quite busy, as you probably realise, <laughs> working and trying to fit in the tracks that we're trying to cover as well. So it's, it's difficult for us to get there. But now they're doing the Wednesday night. We have a Wednesday off every sort of two weeks, so we should be able to get there a little bit more often on a Wednesday. Obviously, we'd like to go weekend, so we can go to the kennels and see the dogs as well. So, and who's tell us about who's involved? Um, your partner Rachel's obviously involved in a lot of them, but you've got other friends involved with a few of the other dogs as well. Yes, we have. Yeah, Rachel's obviously involved, which is good to have. Rachel, she's you know she's I've only been with Rachel for four or five years. And our first our first dates, we finally was at a dog track. I said to her, I said to her, I said to her, would you like to come dog racing? She went, I beg your pardon. She went, what a date at a dog track? I went, yeah, you might like it. She went, oh, oh yeah, go on. She went, go on, I'm game. I'll give it a go. She went, so we went to Crayford. That's where we went, Crayford for our date in the restaurant. I thought I'd treat her in the restaurant, and uh, yeah, she loved it. And she was hooked after that. See, first time hooked. She couldn't believe it. She went, Oh, when can we get a dog? I said, What? When can we get so you've been to one meeting? What do you mean get a dog? I said, She said, You need to go to a few more to see if you like it. She went, I know I like it. So that so it's good to have Rachel on board as well, supporting. So that, that always helps, definitely. I mean, that's um, a, a really good selection process, isn't it? Uh, take yeah. them to the dogs first time out if they don't like it see ya <laughs> yeah that's exactly right yeah if you don't like it right we'll find someone who does <laughs> yeah I'm involved with Kevin Parisi everybody knows Kevin I've got a few dogs with Kevin um, John Deacon has, and Sarah at um, Romford they're involved with a couple with us as well so and there's a few of us in the syndicate uh, we've just started a syndicate at Maxine's as well Bonville Racing which Rob Howell's fronting so I've got involved with that as well. So, yeah, so there's a few of us. So trying to get new people in as well, we can get new people involved, that would be great. But um, there's a few new people. Kevin's got a few new people involved. So, yeah, all good. Excellent. Kevin's one of those people. He's just so positive about the sport all the time, isn't he? He's always showing his love for the dogs and, and what have you all over social media. I think he's absolutely fantastic, Kevin. Um so yeah, great to to hear that you're involved with him as well because uh, he, I mean, he's just brilliant. He's a great character. Yeah, he is. We met Kevin uh, Oxford when Oxford reopened. Um, we were talking on over Twitter, me and Kevin, and I said we were coming to Oxford, and he said, "Oh, oh, oh come and meet me, and we'll have a drink." I said, "Yeah, no worries." When we met, we we chatted all evening about dogs and things, as though we'd been friends for like thirty five years. You know what I mean? It was just incredible. And I, so I think he's just that sort of character that you just automatically connect with him. And then when we left, he said, oh, we'll have to get a dog together. I said, yeah, no, he's, oh, yeah, definitely, Kev, if you're, you know, up for it. Obviously, he had a few issues when he was at Oxford that he wasn't quite happy with. So he decided to move his dogs to Romford, which obviously helps me because we got most of our dogs at Romford. So, and that's where we went from there. And that's how I got involved with Kevin. We'll have to get Kevin on the on the podcast soon, actually, won't we? Yeah, that would be a good, yeah. Yeah, I'll sort I'll sort that out actually. Um, good. So, Paul, we've talked about Shelburne and, and Derby Plate, which probably it takes some top in that. But what other memorable nights have you uh, have you had as an owner? Um, memorable nights as an owner. Of course, see, that's, that's that that just tops it. To be fair, because 
Oh, we did actually. We um after we'd um won the uh, Derby Plate, uh, Graham said, "Oh, we're going to there's a hundred grand race at Galway." Uh, he said, "I'll enter him in that." So yeah, yeah, no, that'd be a good idea, Graham. Yeah, no worries. So he entered in them in that. He won the first two rounds of that. Uh, um, so we're in the final. So me, Shannon, uh, Richie Hassel, I think you probably know Richie Hassel. Uh, we all went over there to to watch him run in the final. He was the outsider, but it was just the buzz of getting to another final. Do you know what I mean? There's seven hundred pound dog, and he's got to a hundred grand final, and. Uh, he did, unfortunately, he didn't win, but we had a great night, um, got well looked after. Um, that's probably second to the Shelbourne one. But to be fair, Joe, I just like going to the dogs, mate, to be fair. And if your dog's running, it gets still. I still get the palpitations now when my dog's running. I still get the butterflies. I still get the pounding heart. Because not only I don't necessarily want them to win, I just want them to come off safely. That's mm. what I want. I'm not worried... I wouldn't say I'm not worried about winning. That would be a silly statement to say. Of course, I'd like them to win, but I just want them to be safe. And that's probably why I, my heart beats so fast, I think, because of that experience with Bob Share the first time. I'm thinking I just want them to come off safe. They come off safe. I'm a happy man. It's the main thing, isn't it? It's the main thing in our sport for them to come off safe. Um, but, I mean, going over to Ireland is getting into the 100 grand final at Galway, you know, just absolutely superb. I mean, what's, is there a difference, do you feel, in the Irish scene and the English scene when it comes to how they look after owners? There probably is, to be fair. Um, we didn't we didn't take up the offer of a meal in the restaurant and all that. We just wanted to be on the terraces um, watching the dog run. I think the atmosphere at Irish tracks is certainly better than English tracks. I think especially Shelbourne, it, the buzz at Shelbourne, it, even just on a sort of low meeting is just something you can't describe. It's just everybody's so friendly, everybody's so welcoming. You know, you've got Sarah Consilla there going around mix, mixing with everybody and meeting everyone and asking everyone how they're doing. You don't see any of that in on English tracks. I, I couldn't name you one GBGB member I, I've seen in 45 years I've been doing this. I couldn't tell you one. I've never been introduced to one. No one's ever come around to any tracks and introduced themselves. But in Ireland, they seem to be there and they introduce themselves to you. And Sarah is is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And we should have somebody like that over here. I want to clone Sarah and put her in the English tracks because yeah. she's her enthusiasm and just passion for the sport is isn't unrivaled yeah it's absolutely unbelievable you know she's she's so good at what she does yeah absolutely infectious she is absolutely infectious and it draws people in and that's what they don't get it draws people in because they go oh my mate we went to the dogs are they this girl sarah she came out introduced herself we should go and it it creates a, a a chain where people latch on to other people saying good night at the dogs good night at the dogs good and that's how you get people interested yeah, could not agree more. That's what we need. Uh, I think there are, there are plans to potentially have somebody like a Sarah, but obviously the UK version, some point this year. That's, that's yeah. what we've heard on the grapevine. So fingers crossed we will have fingers somebody.
Hi guys, Jade here from the Adachi Retired Greyhounds. We've set up the Adachi Retired Greyhounds about a year ago as a platform to showcase retired greyhounds from our kennel. We are on all social media platforms, X, which obviously previously was Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. We have a, a new group that we've just set up, uh, making it easier for the public and members of the group to share their f stories and updates on the retired greyhounds. We also pop on there any dogs that are available for adoption from our kennel. Um, please feel free to go and have a look and um, we welcome any participants to get involved and participate. Um, we love seeing the retired greyhounds and what they get up to in their retired life. Many thanks. Now, apart from the ones that you've owned, obviously we've we've gone uh, over those uh, greyhounds and um, your, your standouts. Who have been your favourites over the years? From you know, uh, just an out, not an outsiders, but a, a, um, I'm trying to think of a, from from a fan's perspective. Yeah. Well, my favourite dog of all time is Scurlo Champ. <sighs> Scurlo Champ was my favourite dog, and will continue to be my favourite dog of all time. The dog was just a crowd pleaser. And the first time I went live to see that dog run, well, it just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. I was, well, a mate of mine said, uh, oh, I'm going to go watch uh, Skylab Chamber run. Do you fancy coming? I went, oh, yes, please. Yeah, definitely. I'd heard of him, never seen him run, but heard of him. So we went, and the dog was about 15 lengths behind. My mate went, oh, he's one. I went, Are you mad? He's 15 lengths behind, man. What's the matter with you? He can't win from there. Just watch, he said, on the last lap. All of a sudden, the dog just took off. Absolutely. And I was just dumbstruck. Oh, my God. And then from that on, we followed that dog everywhere, me and my mate. We went to every track it virtually ran at. And, yeah, it was just a freak of nature. Freak. You could do with half a dozen of them running now because they would draw people in. They would draw people in. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got you've space got space jet, space, haven't you? Yeah, space, yeah, another one. Yeah, exactly. Them sort of calibre of dogs are what you need to draw people in because they get people talking as well. Yeah, because it, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you've got the dogs that go from the front off and away, bang, out the boxes, may call, don't see another rival, it's absolutely fantastic. But when you've yeah. got the dogs that come from 15, 20 a lap behind and absolutely surge through and sigh through the pack and just weave in and out. It is just spine tingling for me. Yeah. Yes. It, it, yeah, absolutely, Danny. It is 100% spine tingling. That's the word, spine tingling. It makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It really does. When I first see Skirlo Chat, my hairs on my back of the neck stood up and I was just amazed. And I said, look, we got to go and watch this dog again. And he said, yeah, we can follow it if you want. We'll follow it around. I'll drive. He said, I don't mind driving. And he, we followed it around everywhere it went. Ballerigan Bob was another one, another absolute superstar. Obviously, back in them days, um, moving forward, obviously, you, like you say, you had you got Space Jet. You've got dogs like Westmead Hall, another cracking, absolute cracking dog. Spirit and Louie, love Spirit and Louie. What a dog that was. 
yeah, there's just so many you could name. You could just go, you could talk about it for days, couldn't you, to be fair? Oh, yeah. And that's why we love this sport. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> now, um, one last question about your dogs, actually, Paul. Do you go and see them a lot at the kennels? I know you said you were pretty busy, but do you manage to get there, you know, once a week or we, once a we, month or we, something? We do go up there occasionally. We don't go up there as much as we'd like to, but obviously this year will be slightly different now because we were concentrating on doing our race tracks to get to see all 60 tracks. Now that's coming to an end. We've got a little bit more time, but then Rachel wants to do Irish tracks and then there'll be French tracks. And, but no, so yeah, we, we do go, we go as much as we can, to be fair. Not as much as I'd like. I'd, you know, I'd go every weekend if I could. Obviously work gets in the way sometimes, so, but we do go and see them, yeah. For those that don't know, Paul, what do you actually do for your daytime job? Uh, I work on the railway. I'm a uh, station manager on the railway. I basically make sure people get on trains safely, make sure the trains dispatched safely and people and on time. Make sure the station's kept tidy, basically. A lot of striking at the moment. That's the drivers, Joe. That's not us. We've settled our dispute. The station people. Oh, that's well, congratulations. Yeah, we've settled our dispute now, so it's the the drivers are now in dispute now. So there's always something, Joe. To be honest, yeah, there's always something on the railway, Joe. Always something. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Danny can never get anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my train ways, Paul. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) they did me a good turn the other week, though. I ended up on a delayed train that was supposed to have gone off like forty minutes before mine, and got me in far earlier than I was supposed to be because it missed out a few tra- um, stations. I was like, come on. That's a collector's Bonus. item. Absolutely. Bonus. The guy on the station just went, because I said, I'm, I'm, I'm due on this train. He went, get on this one and don't look back. I was like, okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> it's <was> amazing. <laughs> so to be fair, I think it has settled down at the moment. I've, uh, I've been, I don't think I've uh, tweeted about a train for quite some time. So we're doing okay. We're doing I don't all right want to jinx then. myself, but we're yeah. doing okay at the moment. <laughs> so well done, thank you. <laughs> no worries. Uh, back to the dogs and changes in the sport. What have been the biggest ones since you've been in it? The schedule is obviously the biggest change. Now, when I first started, it was Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday nights. You'd have two bags meetings in the afternoon and two horse meetings. That was it. Now you've got endless amounts of racing, far too much racing. We can see it. You can see it. Doug can see it. The people in charge just can't see it. And it's going to be one almighty fault if they're not careful because it's just unsustainable. It is totally unsustainable. We know that. Everybody knows it. But the people in charge obviously, obviously don't know it or can't see it. That is the biggest change in the sport, definitely, 100%. Yeah, there's too too much racing at the moment. I mean, uh, I've done the William Hill service a couple of times and we cover everything from both sides of the media battle. I don't know my yeah. own name by the time we finish the day. I know. We've got this PG, the PGR, PGR saying we've got a race, Greyhound race every seven minutes. Ludicrous. Mm. Absolutely ludicrous. And if you watch the PGR service... Is a shambles, absolute shambles. So they just got to pull their finger out and sort that out because you're just going to drive people away again. 
people want to see their dogs run, Danny. You know, I mean, if they run during the day, the only way you can see them is on on PGR or Betfair. And people and the fees are just dreadful, absolutely dreadful. They're cutting them off circuit too short, or they're not showing the race, or you can't find the race. It just drives you mad. And all you want to do is see your dog run. You know, you didn't have that problem back in the days when it was Tuesday, Friday, Saturday night. You knew where they were going to be running. Now, they could be running at any time of day. Mm. It's just not good. I don't think it's – I personally don't think it's good, personally. No, I think they've got a lot of um, work to do um, when it comes to the, you know, delivery of the products that we were – I think we were expecting, to be fair. Uh, a lot of people had quite high expectations, and we've started low – so we can only hopefully build on that. Absolutely. It can only get better, as they say. Um, but, you know, they've had 18 months to sort this out. They, we were told this 18 months ago. So why, why when it sorted? You know, it's just, once again, another thing in the sport that just drives you mad. Mm. Yes, I I hear the frustration and I uh, am totally in agreement, to be fair, because I've been, I've watched it, I've been part of it, Um commentating on it um and yeah we we need to we need to up the game so i i know there are plans in place um going forwards phase two is coming Uh, i don't know when um but phase two will be coming and it will have improvements so we are getting there um but it is it is what it is at the moment so let's hang tough everyone and like we always do let's hang tough and Hope for the best. <laughs> oh, it is, uh, yeah, it's mad. Right, so let's talk about how you'd improve the sport then from an owner's point of view. Yeah, see, that's a tricky one. People say, you know, how can you... To be fair, Romford do a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic. And if you'd say to me, how could you improve Romford? Not, you couldn't really improve a lot of Romford, to be fair, because they're brilliant at socials. Karen's engaging and welcoming. When you speak, to, you see her, she's welcoming and engaging. The social media side of it has obviously improved massively now. Um, what I would like is probably a bit like the horse racing, where, you know, if you turn up, we've got a dog running, you'd probably get a free meal, something like that, chicken and chips or something like that. That wouldn't cost a lot to give an owner a a meal um, they do free tea and coffee anyway so that's not an issue but a bit like horse racing do they they, they give their customers a free meal to say thanks to running your horses there perhaps cats could do that with their people who are running dogs social media I think is a big thing um, I don't remember seeing any social media from Kinsley or Beale or Grange don't wish to put any somebody out but you don't you just see the normal tracks you know the entain tracks I think are fantastic for social media. I would like to see trials. I must admit that that is one thing I'd like them to record trials. You know, not a lot of owners can get to trials, so it'd be nice to have trials recorded live so you could see you could see your trials. Um, Again, the entertain yeah. tracks do do that, don't they? They're on YouTube pretty pretty quickly, and I yeah, I they saw, are. Joe, yes, you are right. And there. I saw Toaster put up a live trial. The other week, but I haven't seen it since. It looked like they were toying with the idea of doing, you know, putting a live link up. I saw it, and then 
and then I haven't I haven't seen it since. I'm not sure what they're doing, but it, like I said, we said this before, haven't we, Danny? And I think we we said it at the very start of the podcast ever, and we said it again in the last one. You know, if you can't do the trials live, just a recording that we can all go back and watch our dogs trial is what's needed and what you should expect as an owner with your with your dog running at a track. Because the yeah. thing is, I was just sorry, sorry, Paul. The thing is, I know that every track that I've been to where I'm commentating, I always get there about an hour before so that I can prep all the racing for the night so, you know, I don't have to think while I'm commentating. And there's always a camera person there filming the trials anyway. So I can't imagine how hard it is. It can't be that hard to go record, ping it out to somewhere. I mean, I'm not a tech person, but in this day and age, it can't be that difficult. Well, if you're not doing it, it, go and ask someone that is doing it how they do it and copy it. (laughs) It's not absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's not, it's not, not rocket science, is it? You wouldn't have thought so, but this is uh, Graham Racing 2024. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just you think, oh, for goodness sake. And like you say, Joe, Toast have done it once and then all of a sudden, not again. So, why? Well, I, I, I don't, I, I didn't see them do it. I don't know where they may have, so I don't want to call them out because I'm not no. one job. But they definitely did. I saw them tweet a link out saying, you know, live trial sessions. I thought brilliant. Hopefully, that's going to continue, and maybe it has. Continue. But then I haven't seen anything since. Yeah, yeah, like you say, it's, it's consistency, Joe, isn't it? That's what you want. You know, if you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, don't say you're going to do it. And that's what frustrates yeah. people, I think. I'm not even bothered about the live. Just, just after, you know, like yesterday, yeah. I had. Um, Lively D's coming back from season. She trialled at Ove um, the, after the trial session. Within like half an hour of the trial session ending, they've got the they've got the feed, and it's clear which dogs are running in the trial, and, and they've got the clock and the the times after, and that's that's brilliant. You know, I can yeah, look at how she's run, and that's all I want. You know, I'm, yeah, too exactly, much to ask. exactly, yeah, exactly. It's, that's all you ask, isn't it? <laughs> Anything else from an owner's point of view, Paul, that, that, that you've seen work well somewhere else or, or in horse racing even? Obviously, you know, they usually have a big marquee in horse racing. You can go and sit down in a, an area. Anything else that could translate? Have you got any bright ideas that the listeners, you know, someone listening might cotton on to? And... I, think it's, I think it's difficult with dog racing because horse racing is obviously um, a mainstream sport, isn't it? So you... you even if you go to a midweek meeting uh, at Kempton or say, say, you're going to get quite a few people there. You go to a midweek meeting at a dog track, there's hardly anybody there, unless it's a night meeting, which Romford put on the, they've been doing their pavilion thing with the curry nights. That's another good thing. Um, from the owner's point of view, I just want to be treated fairly, Joe, to be fair. I just want to be treated, for, I want my dogs to be treated fairly, I want to be treated fairly, and I want a bit of respect for arm supplying the products. Um, and I don't think that's too much to ask personally nowadays. You know, I think all tracks should get to know their owners, should get to know their owners, especially management and racing managers. You know, I don't, I don't know the racing manager at Romford. I don't know him, I must admit. I know Karen, but I don't know the racing manager. But I think all tracks should get to know their owners. And perhaps once a month or once every three months, have a meeting with owners so owners can air any problems they've got or any issues they think they've got with their racing dogs or with the track and come to some sort of arrangement that way. Yeah, that's a good idea, to be fair, because otherwise, how do owners get their voices Point heard? Yeah. That's a good idea, that. Everybody tra- everybody that's listening, track-wise, three months, quarterly meetings with your quarterly owners. Meeting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it can be a, a no-bars meeting. Nobody's going to get 
penalised or, or whatever. You've got something to say, you can say it at this meeting and we'll try and sort things out so everybody feels they're being treated fairly. Well, the thing is as well, with the, with the shortage of dogs at the moment, it's an absolute battle for tracks to get trainers and owners and dogs to come to, to their tracks. So you think that they, they'd want to do as much as possible to keep owners and trainers happy. Otherwise, you know, they could quite easily move on. Um, and if they're not treated fairly, you, your track's going to struggle with, with the strength, isn't it? Um, I mean, there is a general shortage of just dogs anyway being available anyway. for the current mm. services, but mm. it's not going to hurt to look after your own as well and make sure that they stay where they are. And then even if your trainer does move on, you know, it's likely that the owners will say, actually, I love having my dogs running here. I'm going to move them to, to a trainer that's, um, you know, at the track. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree, Joe. 100%. Yeah. On that note, Paul, um, have you got any advice? Like, you've obviously been an owner a long time. Don't want to age you, obviously, but for many years. Um, uh, have you got any advice for anyone who just wants to get involved in ownership now? Any tips or anything that, that you can share? The one bit of advice I would give them, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. We don't know how long it's going to last. Um, to be fair, I'm, I've got my doubts whether the sport will survive. I really have. Um, but I would say just enjoy it. If you're interested in going, getting involved in ownership, go to go to the go to your local track. If you're going to go to your local track, speak to people, get some advice. Well, if you want to join a syndicate or if you want to go solo, where to get the dogs from, what trainers to go to, just get advice. But above all, just enjoy it, embrace it. Yeah, and you can have you can have fun with it, like you said, with a dog at any level. If it's running yeah. in an A ten or an open race, just that thrill of your your greyhound winning a race and, and and just running, you know, competing is is great, isn't it? It is, Joe. Yeah, it's 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 a release for me. It's a release from everyday life, working life. It's something I'm passionate about. Something I enjoy. I love I love owning dogs. I did contemplate a few years ago of wrapping it all up. I was. Totally disillusioned, but I just can't be bothered no more. I was going to wrap it up, and I just couldn't do it, Joe. I just love the game so much. I love the dogs so much, and I just thought I'd be lost if I didn't have this. I would be lost. I really would. And and it's it is a release from everyday working life, and it's something I enjoy. You meet some great people. I've met some fantastic friends through Greyhounds. Some past some fantastic people. I've met some fantastic trainers. And it's just a release from everyday life. And I absolutely love it. And I still get the buzz now. And do you know what? That's a, that's a great point because I was thinking just yesterday, um, genuinely, there's so much nonsense going on with ground racing. It's not in your control and things that frustrate us. You know, if you go on social media, there's people moaning all the time, but not just moaning. I mean, about genuine stuff that you want to see rectified in the sport. But I think from my point of view, you know, as an owner, I just was thinking to myself, look, just forget all this nonsense and just enjoy your dogs and your involvement in the sport and dealing with the owners and going and watching them and just Try and block that out. I, I know we're doing a podcast and we've already moaned about some of those, some of those things. Do you know what I mean? But, but it's trying to just enjoy that, you know, the stuff that you're in control of and that, that you're doing with your own dogs. Absolutely. You, we've got no control of, of the other parts, Joe. And like you say, you can moan about it all you like. Will it change it? Possibly not. Um, just enjoy what you've got. And that's the way to go, I think, personally. Everything else will be what they do there's nothing you can do about that you can't control that i can't control that you can have a whinge and a moan about it but at the end of the day joe you can't do nothing about it can you 
no, no, no. It's um, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. But if you've got, you know, if you're involved, if you're a punter, you're an owner. Just enjoy what you've got, and and yeah, and if you're not, if you're owning dogs and you're not enjoying it anymore, then you need to get out because it's, it's pointless, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And on that note, Paul, you've sort of alluded to it just now, but where do you see the future of the sport in in five years plus? Um. I I have my reservations, to be fair, Joe, and I must admit, if the the schedule carries on as it is, the schedule as it is is unsustainable. You can't sustain it. There's not enough dogs to go around. Um, the antis are starting to wind it up a bit as well. You know, we've got dogs going to China. We've got drug drug dealing dogs. It is, it's you know how many drug tests, drug failures do you have to get to get banned in this sport? You can't keep blaming it on meats and things like that. And the antis are gonna and the antis are gonna lock onto this soon, Joe. I, I promise you. And they're already starting to wind up a bit, drug cheating trainers and all that. You know, how how long is that gonna continue? Um, so I have my reservations. Would would we get shut down by governments? Probably not, but we could probably shut it down ourselves by the stupid things we're doing. I think that's well put, actually, you know, it's it's not going to be the government or anyone else that shuts it down. It will be an it'll be an inside job, won't it? Inside no, job. Yeah. 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 Without a shadow That's of a doubt. That's the biggest threat to the sport. It is not 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 police. You know, the welfare strides we've mentioned many times have improved immeasurably. But these these incidents, isolated incidents that keep happening, that that, that keep topping up is, is just more ammunition. And, and, and as it builds up, that's what that's what is a, a huge threat to the sport. Absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. It won't be government say so. It won't, it, it'll be our, our own selves. We'll uh, we'll shoot ourselves in the foot, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's all about the short term gain. So it seems for people at the Healthy. moment, certain yeah. people. So yeah, um, obviously we're we're doing our bit. You're doing your bit. Hopefully, we can uh, keep this juggernaut going in the I right will, way. I will, I will tell you a fun, another funny story. Uh, when I first got involved with dogs and uh, a mate of mine said, oh, should we go over the kennels and take the dogs out for a walk? I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. We'll go out there and take the dogs for a walk. So he goes over there, gets a couple of dogs on the train. He says, whatever you do, do not let the dog off the lead. Why? He said, I'm telling you, don't let the dog off the lead. All right. He said, no worries. Yeah, no worries. I said, I won't let the dog off the lead. Not a problem. So he goes out into the field. There's massive great big fields cut the fields out the back my mate says get the dog off so do you not hear what he just said don't let the dog off the lead oh, that'd be all right let that dog look where can it go so what do you mean where oh i said i'll go on then we'll let it off we let the dog off the lead dog runs off we're just chatting I said to him, where's the dog and then i've no idea so we're meant to be keep, keeping an eye on this. The dog had only gone under the fence over the far side into the next field. There's me and my mate running over to the other field. We've climbed on our hands and knees to get through this little hole and the dog's over the far side. It took us four hours to get the dog back. <laughs> we go, we goes back to the kennels and the trainer went, where the F and L have you been? I went, well, we just lost track of time. We was just walking. We just lost track. Bless, honestly. And why's the dog got a squirrel in its mouth? Yeah. All around its nose. Unbelievable, isn't it? 
that was me. Well, me that and was the young... silly, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, me and the young days go <laughs> being easily led, see. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't let my whippets off the lead in that sort of scenario because <laughs> I know exactly what would happen. They'd be gone oh. if they saw something. Unbelievable. You bet you haven't done that again. Never. <laughs> when they say don't let it off the lead, I don't let it off the lead. <laughs> Great advice. Great advice. Good stuff. Any anything else, Paul, that you wanted to discuss or or you know, any other great stories? Um well, I've got so many to be fair. Um we went to uh we was going to uh just coming home from Wimbledon Dogs. I'm in my younger days, my Saturdays consisted of Hackney Dogs, Kempton Park, Wimbledon Dogs. That was my Saturday with a few friends. And this particular Saturday, it was absolutely hammering it down with rain. And uh, my mate was driving, and I said to him, slow down a bit. I said, it's pouring with rain. Slow down a bit. Well, you could aquaplane. No sooner as I would said the word aquaplane, we've aquaplaned along the motorway, and we've come to a standstill in a ditch. We've hit a tree. We were lucky to get out alive. We looked down, and there's an embankment down the far end. If that tree hadn't been there, Joe, I wouldn't be here today. Oh, my God. Amazing. Amazing, isn't it? Lucky, yeah. This goes to show. Wow. And the sport would have been the, the death of you. And the good thing was, it was a, it was a winning night as well. <laughs> well, when you're locked <laughs> in, you're locked in, isn't it? Locked in, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I said, if we'd, if we'd lost that night, we'd probably have been dead. Yeah, jeez. Oh, Bloody oh hell. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, you can any... laugh about it. You can laugh about it now, but what about your bookmaking days, Paul? Have you got any any characters or any stories from your bookmaking days? Oh, there's been loads of characters, Joe. There's, I think the game's lacking characters now. To be fair, Sports, Portsmouth was one of them places where you know you had characters um, all the time. They were knowledgeable people at Portsmouth, good, decent, hardworking people, but very knowledgeable about their dogs, passionate about their dogs. Um, and you had a few, should we say, undesirable characters, you know, can have a bit of credit and, you know, they sort of try and wield you in and try, try and soften you up a bit. Can I have a bit of credit? And I'll give a blag a bit of credit. And uh, as per normal, didn't see him again. The dog got beat, didn't see him again. If you'd given it, if the dog had won, he'd have been up there straight away trying to draw, do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah they, they, they were good old days, Joe, to be fair. Good stuff. And then on on a one final note, I saw you bought a dog at the sales at, at Romford the other day. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, we did. A dog called, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce the first name, Elizabeth and Laugh. Um, Rob, we, Rob Howell bought it for the um, for the uh, Bonville Racing Syndicate. Um, yeah, we quite like the look of it. About, I think there's about 10 or 12 of us involved in that. So, um yeah, looks quite an exciting dog, to be fair. Um, yeah, fell out, nice trial. Fell, yeah, fell out the traps, Joe, as well. So, um, and done 24.49, I think. But I think she left about two or three lengths in the trap. So, yeah, looks quite an exciting dog. We're hoping it's going to be a Friday night dog for, there's a few syndicate members who've not had a Friday night dog. And I've not had one, to be fair. Um, Bosco's run a couple of times on a Friday night, but I've not had a dog on a Friday night that we could follow. And so, hopefully... Fingers crossed, this could be one. Is that sold out? Yeah, I think it is, yes. I think oh, it is, yeah. 
can say now's your opportunity to to uh, advertise a few last years. But I'm sure, already. I'm sure, I'm sure. If anybody who knows Rob who's interested, I'm, I think one person did drop out, but he said he he possibly had someone. But I'm sure if you contact Rob Howe, he'd be able to let you know. He's on Twitter. Good stuff. Well, good luck with that one uh, and all of I, your dogs. Let me just... Uh, I've probably, probably been to more tracks, Joe, that have closed and that are open now. Yeah, that's a worry, isn't it? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. You think you think when I first started, there were nearly 70-odd tracks. Now you're down wow. to 20, 22. 21 now, isn't it? 21 now, is it? Yeah, 21, yeah. 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 Do, you, do you think there's a worry of any more closing? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Obviously, the, the, the circling at Perry Bar, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. The room is there. Uh, I don't know about Peel or Grange, whether that's sustainable in the long term with the, just the one meeting a week, meeting, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what's going on with Swindon because they started building um, – They've started building the new stand and that over the way, but it's just completely halted. Um, they've just stopped building it. Obviously, there's been a lot of rumours about Swindon for a while. It's they've built yeah, the right. housing estate around it basically. Um, and I went last year because because Lauren ran in a in an open just before the Regency, and it, the new stand looked great. But I, I don't think they've actually done anything to it for for months now, which is which is ominous. So um, I, yeah, mm. that, not not sure about that one. But that's that's always been touted as a as a possible to go. Yeah, because every time I've seen it on sort of. TV, it seems to be the same every time. It's not nothing's nothing's been built, is it? No. Well, it, what they've done looks looks good. Um, looks really nice. And obviously, like anyone that's been to Swindon lately, the actual grandstand there now is is totally run down. I mean, the place needs a lick of paint. But they're building a new one on the other side. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, the fact that they've stopped is is obviously a concern. If anybody knows, tweet tweet me and and and, and let me know what the latest is because um, I like Swindon. It's a nice track, you know, yeah, the actual track. Cool. And it's easy. It's the easiest one for me to get to personally as well. So uh, that would be a shame. But I think yeah, you know, we we said it on the last podcast. It's a big year for for ground racing. A big six months. A big twelve months. We don't want any tracks to close. Obviously, they're doing what they're doing at Wolverhampton. Mm. Um, but but the reality is, the price of the land now in some of these spots. It's just it, it far outweighs the value of commercial ground racing taking place there now, and that that you can't do anything about that. You can try and grow the sport and the value of ground racing, but when you've got a plot of land in Wimbledon, you, you, there's nothing you can do to <laughs> to turn anyone's head there because the the price of that land is incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the worry, Joe, isn't it? That that is the worry. The land value is just astronomical. So, but you, you can know. build houses anywhere, and you can't keep building houses on on land that's used for recreational or purposes or otherwise. You know, we'd have nothing left. It would be a dire state of affairs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You got to have something to do, surely. Go. No, they just what? want us all sat in front of the telly in fast food and. Not moving anywhere and getting everything delivered by robots, don't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seems that way, Danny. Yeah, definitely. sounds all right, actually. Good Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> right, on that note, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. Great stories, great hearing about your dogs. Obviously, you've still got plenty, so best of luck with those and your thank new you. one, Bosco. <laughs> what was it, Elsa? Tip top, Elsa. 
Mm. Tabelsta, yeah, she's the yeah, one to keep an eye on. She keep an eye on her. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, fantastic. Wish you all the best and good luck ticking your last three uh, British tracks off before you move on to the 100 in France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> hey, look, there's Thanks, worse Paul. hobbies to have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That Cheers, is. Danny. Thanks very much, Thanks, Paul. Paul. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Absolutely great to speak to Paul Wing. He has got some fantastic stories. And can you imagine the fear that you would have felt for four hours trying to catch a dog that you'd let off a lead, Joe? No, no, especially with my knees. I would well, I wouldn't have let him off the lead, to be honest. Um, so yeah. Like I said, like I just said, having two two whippets, I know I know the dangers of letting sight hounds off the leads in uh, in open spaces like that. So unless we were at the secure field, which we we pay for, um, where we can let them off, no, no chance. But it was great to hear from Paul. You know, he's been an owner for a long time. He's been involved mm. in a sport from, like we said, a bookish point of view, from an owner's point of view. And it's important that we listen to the voice of people like Paul, who knows what he's talking about. He's lived through a lot of different stages of the sport. And, he, he you know, he knows what he's talking about. And as an owner, he knows what he wants and likes. Yeah, yeah and that's key um, going forward, especially. We need to listen to more people like Paul. Now, it's betting time. We have got a super competition starting on Saturday lunchtime with the Labrooks Winter Derby. One thing I found interesting before we dive into the betting side is people were saying, oh, um, it's not fair that Monmore have changed the times and this, that and the other. And they've had to change to the, the lunchtime meeting and what have you. But one, it's a Saturday and two, it's just replacing the good stuff we used to have at Crayford, isn't it? It is. Um, I- it seemed to work well at Crayford, but I don't remember the time, any time before where it wasn't there. So from my point of view, I just always remember Crayford Saturday having good competitions mm. on. But Monmore's always been in the evening. And the problem is with Saturday morning slots is it's a lot of the crowd are going to be going to football and stuff like that. Whereas the evening slots, yeah. people can go to the football and then go ground racing after. Whereas this t- is totally in, in the way. In terms of scheduling and, and eyeballs, it's quite good because it doesn't really clash with much. But in terms of getting people to the track, they're just not going to go. Um, and one more, uh, you know, you've got you've got Wolverhampton, Villa, West Brom, Birmingham, all in that area. A, a lot of them people will be going to the football where where it was before they would have gone and watched the match and probably gone to the stadium. Crayford, again, it, it seemed to work, but um, you know, they probably would have still got bigger crowds if they'd done it in the in the evening there um and yeah. i think it's uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes if they can get people to the track still at that time and they you know they make a concerted effort to do so then that's great the other problem is is you've got the um golden jacket and peter bussy starting on the saturday next week so you're going to have two cat one competitions clashing on a saturday afternoon aren't you because I, th- I think the Golden Jacket, I know they've been running trials on a Sunday, but I think the actual competition's on the Saturday. So if you're a trainer and you've got good dogs running at both as well, that's going to be a, a nightmare. I've been to Monmore on a Saturday night many times and it's buzzing. Great, great meetings. Um, you know, they get a really good crowd there and who love their dog racing. So um, again, look, let's reserve judgment. 
Mm. Um, until we see what it's like, you know, they might get a good crowd there. Sounds like it's going to be a bit of a nightmare for for trainers though, um, and, mm. o- and and owners. I mean, the the problem is, you know, the winter derby, and we're obviously going to talk about it. Absolutely outstanding field, <sighs> brilliant, you know, brilliant lineup, really, really hot. Uh, and if you're an owner and you you know from up north or something, we've got obviously Newcastle trainers in it and stuff like that. Getting to the track for for midday is 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 going to be a pain. As, as well so I yeah. Mean, yeah yeah, yeah I, it's difficult it's difficult I don't think I don't think intuitively it's it's, it's going to be good but like you say we'll reserve judgment so I always reserve judgment because in what I found out in horse racing especially and greyhound racing people any change people immediately hate it and, and, <laughs> and are against it um so and then they uh, go Actually, that was quite a good idea. <laughs> well, to be fair, usually it's a bad idea. <laughs> it's quite rare, and it, is, it turns out to be a good idea. But um, yeah, it's it's a shame because, but as I say, Monmouth Saturday nights was were, were good. It was it was lively, um, busy, and I, I don't think this is is going to be the same. Well, let's dive in anyway <laughs> to the Labrooks Winter Derby. A great great comp. <laughs> Oh my God! Great, I was great looking call. through this uh, for my William Hill stuff the other day, uh, yesterday actually, because they released the card yesterday. I didn't know the heats at certainly, and I was like, "Oh my God, who am I going to go with? I've got it's no difficult. idea. I've got to pick three. I've got to pick a nap, a next best, and then a treble dog." And I have picked three, <laughs> but have you picked an anti-post bet, Danny? Uh, no, um, I don't do many anti-posts. Um... I can't pick an anti-post in this. I, I, I just don't difficult. know. It's difficult. I, I just think you've obviously got Churchfield, Sid, Lynx, Maverick around about four to one a pair. Yeah. King Capaldi, you know, similar price as well. You've got last year's winner, Call of Any Shadow, is as big as 15 to two at the moment, um, which looks decent. The, the one that sort of maybe stood out, well, there, there were two really at, at the prices, is, is King Sydney, mm. put in a great trial, and, and Bogger Rambos, who's, you know, very fast, fast dog. Um, what about the cipher? Yeah, this is look, winning. Well, he broke the track record, obviously, at Oxford, but winning a, a British bred puppy comp to a competition of this magnitude, he's going to have to step up. But he mm. is an improving pup, so he absolutely could do that. And he's shown how fast he is. And so, that's, yeah, I was going to say, and that's that's a, another thing that I've not had an anti-post bet in this because there's the old guard, and then you've got the pups coming through as well. And I always find it really tricky to weigh them up against each other, especially when there's so many pups in this as well. Um, so, yeah, I've not had an anti- Have you had an anti-post bet? No, I just can't. It, it's just it, it, nothing stands out at the prices. It looks, you know, pretty much spot on. I mean, if you like the ones that, the, 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 if you like Churchfield, Sid and Lynx Maverick, they're both a similar price. Mm. And and then you're sort of, you know, picking one. King Capaldi maybe looks, I mean, he, he's been running amazingly at the moment, maybe looks a tad short to me. Call of Annie Shadow, you know, we all know when he puts it together, he is one of the fastest dogs in, in Britain. And, he, you know, that could that could appeal anti-post. But, and then you've got the ones that we just mentioned, the the sort of pups coming through um, at, at bigger prices. But only six of these dogs can make the final. You know, some of them are going to find trouble. Some of them probably aren't going to get their draws. Churchfield Sid will get his draw um, all, all the time, um, which is one positive. You've got Skywalker Pele in there. Um, 
Bogger Rambo their seeds, aren't they? Oh, is Bogger Rambo a seed? Oh, Skywalker Pele definitely is. I think Bogger Rambo is, but someone could can shoot me down and tell me that he's not. But um, it's look, it, no anti post just because I, I couldn't pin my colours to the mast of, of any dogs. I think that it's priced about right and it's um, you know really exciting. But it the really heats, is. But we're right. going to have some picks in the heats, aren't we, Danny? We are, yeah. I've certainly got three picks that I want to talk about. Um, are we going to just, go just an aside? We're going to go through the heats. Let's yeah, go yeah. Through, let's go through them. All right then. Heat one, trap one, Romeo Cipher two, Y.I. Man three, Barnfield Barra four, Queen Georgia five, Magical Rubble, and six is my favourite. He's Burj Khalifa. <laughs> Joe, who are you with? <laughs> um, I think just slided with Y.I. Man just because he's obviously a Gold Cup finalist here last year. Um, just got to the final of the blue ribbon, didn't quite happen for him, but he's he's in he's in good form without really winning. Um, but I just think Romeo Cypher's obviously interesting. We've just mentioned him. Did a did a decent trial, uh, twenty eight forty four off a four thirty three split. So that that it's obviously good, but um, without being outstanding compared to Churchfield Sid and, and Lynx Maverick and, and what they've been doing. But I'm just gonna go with sort of tried and tested why I man in, in trap two in the first heat. Now everybody knows on this pod that I love Burst Khalifa, but I can't go with him <laughs> today. Um no, I I've actually been looking because like I just touched on I do this for, for Hills, but Magical Rubble for me was an interesting runner because he's raced here twice in the past. Um granted it was in the summer so obviously slightly different going, albeit it was only plus 10. And he put in a 28-26 calculated when he won beating Skywalker Amanda back in August last year. Now, he's obviously a little bit fragile, I'd say, because he doesn't, he's not raced as many times as you would expect. But he's a son of good news, out of Burgess Series, a September 21. He's not had much racing, but the, the times that we've seen him uh, race at Monmore, I think he might be a little bit of a fly in the ointment because he does bang out the boxes more often than not. And he obviously likes it here. So I thought Magical Rubble for Tom Hilbron, who's been doing a cracking job this year already. I thought he could be a bit of a, a fly in the ointment here. I think he certainly makes it through to the next round. And I just thought he could be. He's probably going to be overlooked in the market for me. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, nothing wrong with that at a price. I think Burj Khalifa's won over 480 impressively at Newcastle and Shelburne, mm -hmm. but he's a big boy, isn't he? And I just think against some of these top 480, um, you know, four Ben dogs, he might struggle. And, and um, he's again, you know, out wide, so might get a bit of room, but I just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether these sort of shorter four Ben trips maybe play into his strengths. No, I agree because he's such a big boy. You know, he tops 40 kilos and Toast is perfect for him because it's a big galloping track. He can get his legs under him. The 480 at Monmore is a bit of a speed track and he's not always the best away anyway. He is more of a, you know, coming on uh, late on the scene dog. And I just don't, I want him to get through. I want with all my heart for him to get through, but I just think he's going to struggle in this, in this lineup. Right, the 12.32 will be Heat 2. Trap 1, Swift Battery. 2, Ballycleary 10. 3, Now It's My Turn. 4, Bogger Rambo, who isn't seeded. 5, Get Up Me Boy. And yeah, 6, Bang On The Clock, Joe. Thank you. Do you know why I've maybe thought that? Because when I was looking at this earlier, he was in 4. So he's just got a, he's not got a favourable draw, that's why. Is he mm. never... He's, no, he's that was nonsense from me. I apologise to <laughs> to every, all the listeners and all the connections. Um 
It didn't happen for Bogo Rambo, did it? In the in the All England Cup final, um, just just trouble, um, unfortunate. But you know, really fast dog, twenty eight forty five trial, which was again decent. Um, I tell you what, get out my boy was impressive here last time out in a, in a good time in an open race, very nice win, got a chance. I think now it's my turn. Has got really good early early pace and showed showed that. Um, and I just thought maybe if if um, if he can clear um, if he can clear Bally Cleary ten, then I thought it would have a great chance here. Um, mm. And maybe you know can hold Bogarambo to the bend. And, and I'm assuming now it's my turn will will be a decent price on the day. So uh, I thought that might be one just a chance. Now it's my turn then for Joe. I was with Get Up Me Boy. That's my next best for Hills. And I was just so impressed with him last week. You know, he put in a really good run on his first ever look round at Monmore. Um, I think I was on TRP service and it was it was absolutely superb. You know, he popped out, he made all. He didn't see another rival. And he is a very much a, a speedball and it's a speed track. So I think he's got a perfect um, draw in five. He has not won from this location, but the fact that everybody else is going to kind of go to the inside is what I thought. He should get a bit of a clear run uh, towards the first bend. And he's only going to improve on that time, you'd hope, of 28-29 last time around. So I like him. I think he's got a good chance. He's my next best. Right, heat three, trap one, swift iconic, two, get up me lad, three, kilo detail, four, Kanagar Yusa, five Blue Jig Baron and six Skywalker Pele. I found this one really hard. I quite like Skywalker Pele here. I um, thought it got a good makeup. You know, he's in really good form, badly crowded in the All England Cup semi-final, but running really well since and 28-25 trial, two from three at Monmore, including beating Crafty Shivu. And, and, the, and the only defeat was second behind New and Sid. So clearly likes the place. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I actually quite, quite fancied him strongly in this. So we'll see. I had it between two and six. So get up me lad who put in a 28-25 last week, beating Barnfield Barra. He absolutely cracked out the boxes, 4-28 split. And I just thought with Swift Iconic on the inside, not having a sighter of Monmore, he could just clear him uh, on the run to the first bend. And like you say, Skywalker Pele, great draw. Um has had the the trial recently same time as well 28 25 and as long as he manages to avoid trouble on the outside i thought it'd between be between those two so i'd be with two and six reverse reverse it there bit of go. a forecast there there you go because i found it tricky i like to you know put a couple in if if i find it why too not hard. <laughs> reverse reverse as dj casper once said um <clears throat> right uh the 102 <laughs> To be fair, I know every move in that song. Heat four <laughs> is up next. One, Queen Joni. Uh, two, Cooler Valley Shadow. Three, he's one of our own. Four, I am the Sydney. Five, Fearsome Enigma. And six is Churchfield Sid. Ooh, what a race. Oh, my God. What yeah, I didn't race. touch. Did I touch this one? Yeah, I did, actually. I put Churchfield Sid as my travel dog. Because what the Reese Kennel have done with this lad is absolutely sensational. Because you always have that fear, don't you? If they've been injured, that they're not going to come back as the dog they were. And I think, arguably, he's probably a little bit better. 
Well, we all remember what happened in the Puppy Derby last year when he was miles clear and unfortunately picked up that injury. So, mm. you know, he's he shown it a mom more. But then last week he was in, there was a hot open race. Um, cool of Annie's shadow, Johnny Whiskers, Longfellow. <laughs> he's one of our own, you know. And he showed electric early to get to the front of that first bend um, and, and, and won well. And it was a mightily impressive performance. Um, having said that, for me, this is just a watch and enjoy race. I, I couldn't pin my colours to the mast um, at all. It's just, um, but it is, it's, it's a brilliant race. Again, obviously, Cool of Vanny's Shadow is one of our own and Churchfield Sid reopposing. Queen Joni thrown into the mix. I am to Sydney um, and Fearsome Enigma. Yeah, brilliant. This is uh, this is a really hot heat, but no, no bet. Churchfield Sid for me, just thought he has the draw. He's got the pace. He likes it more more. Yeah, good, good enough for me. Um, in this race. I did think Queen Joni might give him something to think about on the inside, though. She's put in a good trial time and she's lightning quick from the boxes herself. So I did think, again, could be between those two, but Churchfield said, is my travel dog. I mean, Let three me of these to... are going to be eliminated, aren't they? Which is I can't believe crazy. it. it yeah. It's yeah. one of those, it could be the final races. You know, it's ah, unbelievable. And right. hit five isn't too bad. Tell us about it. Chapon, Antigua Eclipse, two is Lynx Maverick, three Ballantino Show, four King Capaldi, five Johnny Whiskers, and six Droopies Eddie. Yeah, and Lynx Maverick is back. Ugh, yeah! I know, I can't believe it. We've not seen him since November when he was fourth behind Johnny Whiskers in the Cat One at Sunderland. Classic. The classic. Yeah, yeah, the art yes. classic. I'm remembering, Joe. My memory is coming. Well done. Well done. And Johnny Whiskers is obviously here again. um, Mm. Been running really well. Um, Droop is Eddie put in a a quality time last week off a nice split. You know, King Capaldi, one of the anti-post favourite, 28 dead trial. Um, You know, it's not going to be easy for Leeks Maverick. He put in a 28-22 trial himself. Um, what was that a week ago which which is decent but um this is this is another good race and again I, I can't have a bet i can't have a bet i'm just going to watch and enjoy it i you know without seeing the prices it's difficult i imagine links maverick will be short enough um and and that might make you know droop is eddie possibly or, or johnny whiskers a bet king capaldi this is again this is you know three of these are going to go out so stop it joe stop it <laughs> um i was just looking at the the track record for Monmore, 27.48. And I was just wondering if anybody could break it. You know, King Capaldi with his 28 dead, but they've got to go some on, on Saturday to do that. I don't um, think Saturday, but who knows by the final, these dogs warming up and getting used to track. Some of them have only had one look, one yeah. trial. Um, obviously, if the weather gets milder as well and then the track's a little bit quicker, then I wouldn't rule it out. That is a that is a fast time, though, the, the track record. Who's got it? Putting you on the spot. Um, so that that's um yeah, I mean these these are top quality dogs, but that is a very quick track record at Monmore, isn't it? And that has stood for twelve years. Yeah, well, Mac- Eski, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, twenty seven forty eight back in June of twenty twelve, yeah, Joe. That is that is rapid. And obviously yeah. Ballymacheski was a was a very very good ground. Even with my limited uh, greyhound history knowledge, I know that dog. Yeah, to be fair, I was only just coming onto the scene there, but I, I do remember him. And they'll have to go some to break that record. They will. 
but, really but, well. but we've got we've got a lot of chances with with a number of very fast dogs. Um, we so, do. but for heat heats four and five. Um, as I said, no bets for me, but I'm really looking forward to watching them. I'm with you on heat five. I couldn't couldn't have a bet um, at all. So cannot wait to see this on Saturday afternoon. Heat six is actually going to be my nap. Uh, Trap one, Aero Secundi, two, King Sydney, three, Slick Sabo, four, Drive on Lad, five, Miracle, and six, Watch the Limo. What's your nap? Aero Secundi. Mm. Yeah. Because he's a Feb 22. He's a son of Ballymac Cash Out. We've only seen him twice over in Ireland at Cork. He finished behind Droopy's Drape, and then he finished behind Newing Curly, who's now Cloner Curly. And he's put in some really eye-catching runs. I know quite a few people are fancying him for Derby um, time. So no disgrace to be behind him on his second ever start when he was only 18 months. He's come over here and he's won every start so far at Monmore. He won an open sprint uh, by a length and a half. He missed the break, but he still paced up really well. Then he's got out the boxes in Jan on the 13th and the 20th, beating Sporty Jackson, Chop Chop Rainbow. He got a little bit of a crowd on his um, third sprint start, but he's won by four lengths. He's won by two and a half. And arguably his best run so far was his first tilt over four bends when he put in a 4.33 split. So he's got the sprinter speed, but he's clearly got the four bend speed as well because he won by five and a quarter lengths in a time of 28.18. He stayed every single yard of the 4.80. And I just think with him having the draw on the inside, he's won most of his races from box one. He loves the rails. He's got King Signet to the outside, who's put a 449. You know, you go down the card, you've got a 449, 447, 441. Miracle put in a good run, 434, but had done a 441 in the trial. So it's whether or not he can back that up again and watch the limo put in a 453. This lad on the inside should be absolutely banging out the boxes with that sprinter speed. And I don't think they're going to see which way he's gone. Mm. Yeah, he's got a great chance for Richie Tabner for sure. It was, it was in my shortlist. I made it between him and um, King Sydney, obviously. But, you know, King Sydney probably won't do a split like that again. And to run 28 16 like he did off a 449 split takes some doing. So mm. if he's there or thereabouts coming off the second bend, you know, King Sydney is going to be hard to beat here, I think. So. Again, I, it, it it's going to be price dependent as everything should be. Uh, you know, it, I had it between the one and the two, and and I think probably King Sydney is going to be favourite, isn't he? Um, yeah. On the day, I would have thought so. You might get a good price on on the one dog um, who's who's shown a lot and is an exciting prospect. Yeah, he really is, and he's just about to come out of puppyhood as well, Feb twenty two. So he's just a, a real improving youngster in my eyes, and I'm quite looking forward to Saturday. I'm very much looking forward to Saturday, actually. And I get to watch it all before I get on a train to London. Yes. There you go. Happy days. Scheduling win. Um, I think that's it for this weekend. Obviously, we've got the Northamptonshire Sprint, haven't we, on Sunday. But both Joe and I find it really, really tricky to pick winners uh, in sprints. We get Quatera wrong a lot. And, um, yeah. Uh, I get Quatera wrong all the time. I've backed him. Yeah. And he posts for a few competitions that he's flopped in. I was... I was saying to Danny before we were recording that I backed him. I don't usually back dogs at short prices, but I have backed him at shortish prices sometimes and he gets beat. So I'm an absolute curse for Katera. So um, congratulations to Connections. I'm, I won't be backing him for anything. So he, he should go on and win the comp. <laughs> 
obviously bomb out bullet was a bit disappointing last week um but he still managed to sneak through in third he got a little bit of trouble didn't he so hoping that he's back in his favored one box this week he should be able to go well so he'd be the one i'd, I'd be tentatively siding with but neither of us have got really strong feelings about the Northamptonshire sprint so we thought we wouldn't take up any more of your time and waffle on about it no but we've got the golden jacket um next week as well to look forward to so we do so the trials are on saturday afternoon at crayford so do watch those get your notebooks out see who uh, does what and then obviously we'll be covering the semi-finals uh, of that comp uh, when we do our next podcast and we'll be covering the final of the winter derby by that time as well because time just keeps on going joe and <laughs> In a rapid rate of knots. Yeah, and we should probably get someone on for the betting for that, shouldn't we? Because it's, um, you know, good times. Yeah, we'll have to talk to someone else. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed what we've done today. Uh, episode 27 in the bag. If you have enjoyed it, like, subscribe, uh, leave us a review, hopefully five stars. Let us know if there's anybody you would want on the podcast. I know we've got a few in the bag um, from my Twitter plea the other day. Uh, if you do have any more ideas or if you yourself want to come on the podcast, do not be yeah. shy. Contact us if you think you've got, uh, well, just any kind of story to tell. We want to hear from the Greyhound people. And if you're, if you can talk, you can string a sentence together, more than one, then let us chat to you because I promise we, we can't. are. <laughs> Apparently we're crap at it. But we... um. We don't bite. We're very nice people. So please come along. And if you want to get involved, come on, gone to the dogs. Joe, bye. Bye, Danny. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.